We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Indiana, home of Pacers basketball. Miller for three, and he got it. Legends have been born. Miller retreats to the three-point line and hits again. Memories have been made. Caliburn, a deep three for the lead. Great basketball has been played. Nembhard away. Hits the three and the buzzer. In 49 states. It's just basketball. Flips it to the big fella, fake, shoots, and But this, this is Indiana. And you're listening to Setting the Pace. Let's go! Your go-to Pacers podcast. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. We got paces hooping. Let's talk stats. Hot takes. All fast. New topics. Updates. Three pointers. Fast breaks. We keep scoring. We don't need to stop. New episodes. Weekly drops. This your number one podcast, sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop. Setting like the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Pacer Nation, what's going on? Welcome back to your go-to Pacers podcast, Setting the Pace. We're here to talk about Indiana's 127-125 victory over the Toronto Raptors in an emotional game where Pascal Siakam made his return to Toronto for the first time since being traded. And here to talk with me about that from The Athletic, he's no stranger to you guys. It's James Boyd. James, what's going on, man? How are you? Living a dream, man. Obviously, seeing Siakam be victorious in his return is a nice positive way for the Pacers to end this first half of the season, which isn't the first half, by the way. It's just what everyone says about the NBA season. That's good. I'm doing good. I'm excited for All-Star Weekend here in Indianapolis. Obviously, Tyrese Halliburton starting. There's just so many things going on this weekend that I know I won't sleep very much, but who cares? This is like a once-in-a-lifetime you know, opportunity right here. No, it's it's awesome. I think the city is buzzing. It looks beautiful downtown, everything they've got ready. So yes, if you have not been downtown, I highly recommend, even if you don't go to the events, just go downtown, get a feel for what's going on, hang out, and maybe you'll see somebody at a restaurant. You never know. But this game tonight, obviously an emotional one with Pascal returning. Did not start out the game very well, but kind of closed things out here for the Pacers. Hit tough basket after tough basket. Put this team on his back in the fourth quarter, and Rick Carlisle even deemed it 
Pascal Siakam night, baby. So uh, 23 points, seven assists, five rebounds, gotten some foul trouble, ended up having five fouls. But I just thought this was such a great way for him to kind of go in there and get this victory. I, I could tell he really wanted it. And he had a nice drive there at the end to kind of give the Pacers a little bit of a cushion. So, you know, I, I've enjoyed the Pascal Siakam play since he's been here. Obviously, it's been a little bit up and down in terms of all the injuries, everything that's been going on. But just a great opportunity for him to get a victory against his former team. Absolutely. And I think, you know, we talk about the injuries, the ups and downs. He's been like their one constant mm -hmm. since he's gotten here. And that's one of the reasons why you make the trade. Obviously, you make the trade with the idea of everyone being fully healthy. But in moments like this where you're missing Miles and Benedict's out and, and Tyrese is still kind of working his way back, you got Siakam who continues to just be this consistent present on offense and defense. And what I like about his game is he's got the – how do I describe it? A – like non-sexy game because I'll like look up and I'm like, wait a second, he has 20? How? Mm -hmm. Because it really isn't flashy. It's just efficient. I mean, the flashiest thing he does is his signature spin move, which everyone knows is coming and it still works anyways. Yeah. But, I, you know, I felt good about what I saw from him tonight and what I've seen from him so far. And I think, you know, reading Caitlin Cooper, other people in Tony East as well, Dustin Dupirak, you know, obviously being around the game myself, writing my own pieces, like the malleability adjective that's been described about him or used to describe him is very true. Like his game just translates. I feel like with any team in the NBA and the Pacers are just fortunate to have him. They really are. And they really needed him. Like you said, all the injuries have been piling up tonight. The Pacers were without miles Turner, Benedict Mather and Jairus Walker, Jalen Smith, James Johnson. And then Aaron Neesmith goes out in the first couple of minutes of the third quarter injures his injures his shin once again. So just injuries piling up, and you know, it felt like the injury in a Pacers are back because that used to be the question every <laughs> don't, single don't, game. Don't, don't, please, no, no, no. You talked please about no. it. You know, uh, I remember Tony always say like Rick was getting so annoyed because it was like every time before a game, you guys would ask like, "Hey, what's the injury report for tonight?" So it's been piling up. Hopefully, things get a little bit better. But even Carlisle said it; they were without three of their top seven guys tonight, and and he put Jalen Smith in his top seven, which I thought was an interesting. A little bit of a yeah, quote yeah. there Lisa from Rick Carlisle. But, you know, Isaiah Jackson had to step up and play the starting center spot tonight. Pretty efficient night for him, 15 points, 7 to 13 shooting, also had 11 rebounds and four blocks. I just, you know, Isaiah Jackson's kind of out of the rotation now when, when Smith and Turner are healthy. But still, having a guy like that in year three that can step up and provide really big minutes for you, I think that's huge for this team, and I thought he played really well. Yeah, and I think – one of the things that seeing Isaiah and you got to remember when I covered them, this was two years ago. So seeing them now, I'm like, wow, you know, I covered him during his rookie year. And now he's, you know, year three, put on a little bit of weight. And I think this speaks to his professionalism as a young, especially the young basketball player, because it is hard to go from being, you know, the man basically your entire life to now you're trying to crack into the NBA rotation to be a rotation guy. And I thought when his number was called tonight, he did well. Um, obviously he's, I think he's more efficient now on offense because he's just gotten stronger, a little bit more patient as well. And then even defensively, one of the biggest things we would always get on him for, and it's still to this degree, like, man, you, you jump a lot, right? You're always jumping. But I think, you know, you look at what he had tonight, he had the four fouls, but he also had four blocks, mm -hmm. impactful blocks, obviously in a two point win. And so I think Isaiah is someone who, you know, you're still trying to feel out and just see what is his ceiling. How, how, how far can he take this thing? And it speaks to the talent, I think, that this team has had recently versus what they had in the past where 
you know, it felt like some of those games where I was covering him in 2021, 22, before the Halliburton trade, it was like, you know, a lot of guys, I would say, beyond this Pacers sphere win, people wouldn't know. And so now you have this roster where you, it's what I call a good problem. It's a good problem that you have to force yourself to find Isaiah Jackson minutes because Dylan Smith looks so good in his role. And obviously, Miles is having a career year. Yeah, and I mean, I, Tony East has brought this point up too on his pod, and I think that it's been, you know, it's a really good point. Like, Isaiah, the big thing with him was getting into foul trouble. And mm -hmm. one of the things is it's the quality of fouls that he's getting now that are better because they're fouls when he's maybe trying to block a shot compared to, oh, can't set a legal screen and gets caught moving <laughs> before he sets the screen, which he's yeah. notoriously bad at, or the dumb fouls when he gets beat on a rebound where he'll just grab a guy because he's yes. mad. Just, oh, my gosh. You know, so it's like, Yes, it's like Isaiah Jackson is learning how to not commit dumb fouls. But, right. hey, if you get off the ground because you're a shot blocker, like, we can live with that. And and one thing I do like about him is he's just kind of a chippy guy. He's yeah. not going to – if he fouls you hard, he's not going to help you up. He just kind of stares at you like, get up, you know. And I think the Pacers <laughs> need some more nastiness like that from guys that just don't really give a crap. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I agree with that. And what's funny is you get a perception of a person – based off what you see them play like, right? So some people who might not know Isaiah Jackson, you know, maybe on like a deeper level. And I'm not saying I'm best friends with the guy, but I know him a little bit better than like the general public. He is very, very nice, yes. you know, very outgoing. You know, when I talk to him in the locker room, he's always, you know, pretty joyous and smiling, all those things. But there is that, that switch that gets flipped to where he's like, I'm trying to win. And like you said, you need guys like that on your team who kind of set the tone, whether it's defensively, whether it's a hard foul, whether it's a, kind of like the old school, no layup rule type of thing. And I think he embodies that. I think Aaron Neesmith to a degree embodies that because he's always hounding guys, you know, diving on the floor, um, fouling a guy hard. TJ McConnell had some of that to his game. And so one of the knocks that on the Pacers, I think, especially early on in the season and when Halliburton first arrived was, oh, they can score, they can score, they can score. But, like, are they tough enough in certain moments? And you do need those grit and grind moments. No pun intended for Memphis fans out there. But you do need those moments like that. And I thought the end of this game sort of showed that where they – I think it was, like, the last three minutes, it was like they were one for ten shooting. Mm -hmm. Toronto that was. And then, obviously, the huge stop of Ben Shepard on R.J. Barrett. I mean, yeah, let's just talk about Ben Shepard because clearly this might have – this was his best game of his NBA career because – not only did he have the huge stop on R.J. Barrett, which I loved how he was able to absorb contact, I believe, three times on that possession, but didn't foul and didn't kind of give up his ground. I really enjoyed the way he stepped up really big there. I called him Benjamin Stonewall Shepard on Twitter just because that's what he was. <laughs> he was a Stonewall. But let's let's not forget, he had two clutch threes in the fourth quarter to kind of help give Indiana the lead. And I thought, if he can shoot the ball, at, at a pretty good clip moving forward. I know it's going to take some time to get consistently uh, familiar with the three-point line and that kind of thing with Ben Shepard. But if you can play defense like that and be in a, a positive or just an average guy on offense, like it's going to be hard for Carlisle to not play him, especially with how thin this team is now after trading Buddy Hield and Bruce Brown and not really getting any guards back in return. I agree, and I think you hit it right on the head. Simply put, Six, six guys in the NBA who play defense well, knock down threes, get paid a lot of money. And teams are always looking for them to add to their roster. And like you said, after you get rid of Buddy, those minutes open up. And there is some hesitation there. You're like, okay, how much can a rookie handle? 
Um, is the stage too big? But I think every step of the way, Ben has been very diligent about just learning as much as he can, absorbing as much as he can. I asked him the other day, or not the other day, but probably last week sometime. And I was like, hey, man, like, you know, how are you navigating your rookie season where, you know, one night you might play 15 minutes, another night you might play three? And he was saying how, like, James Johnson and, you know, TJ McConnell and Aaron Neeson, I've kind of taken him, taken him under their wing where they're showing him what it takes to be a professional, what it takes to stay ready, and then what it takes to capitalize on your moments. And we saw that here tonight where I think in previous games, we saw the defensive effort, we saw the hustle, but it's like, man, like, man, Ben's not making the shots. And that's what he was drafted for, really, right? We, you know, we knew, you know, the scouting report did not say, at least at the top of the list, you know, pretty good on-ball defender. It was, he's a knockdown shooter. And yeah. so if he can, you know, add that element to his game and obviously having a longer three-point line, takes an adjustment period. But if he knocks down those threes, man, there's no reason not to play him. And I think he could actually help this team, you know, make some noise. Absolutely. And I mean, the Pacers are lucky that they were able to keep the the distance from Toronto by knocking down 11 more three-pointers than Toronto Man. tonight. You know, outscoring them by 33 points from the three-point line is huge, considering they got dominated in the paint <laughs> by 30 points. It's pretty embarrassing, 84 to 54. I mean, Toronto is not a good uh, outside shooting team. I think they're 28th in the league since they've traded Siakam. So it's just one of those things where we know they're going to get a lot of their points in the paint. But this is a team that James had not cracked 100 points the last two games, and they dropped 71 on the Pacers in the first half. So it felt like, you know, the Raptors are kind of trying to right the ship a little bit in Indiana. I felt like they absorbed all of that, all the punches that Toronto threw, and they just kept chipping away. And I think that's one thing that I've liked about this Pacers team is even when their backs are against the wall, they've been able to find a way to win. Even against a team like Toronto that's, you know, bound for the lottery, I just felt like despite the bad numbers, the lopsided numbers on the rebounds, points in the paint, and and that kind of thing, Indiana still mustered out a victory. And I think that's just a credit to Rick Carlisle and his staff and in terms of how they just figure out ways to to make adjustments to to close games, even if they're not necessarily dominating in those areas you'd like to see them dominating in. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's kind of like baseball. You have to be able to win with like without your best pitch most of the time, or sometimes you can't just, you know, always go out there and buzz all teams with your high powered offense. Like tonight, even though they scored 127. This wasn't a, you know, all clicking cylinder game for the Pacers offense or for their team and their identity. And so to me, I like to judge teams based on like their bad games, so to speak. Can you win without your best stuff? Can you win ugly? Can you win the ones you're quote unquote not supposed to? Because as much as we like to harp on the fashion in which games are won, all that matters is, you know, for seeding purposes, is do you have more ones than the than the seventh seed or the or the eighth seed or whatever it is? Mm. And so I think that's a good thing. And they've shown the ability to close in certain situations. However, I want to ask you this: Do you think the Pacers maybe play up or down to their competition? Because that to me is a little bit. I'm not like terrified. I'm like, oh my god, this team cannot can't like win. But there are moments where I'm like. Eh, did you did you kind of get laxed or, or what's going on here? Why are you, you know, going toe-to-toe -to -toe with obviously the end-season tournament? Halliburton was healthy. That's a factor, of course. But, like, some of these games, the Charlotte game the other day, I'm like, what's going on? Like, why aren't you, you know, fully engaged? Yeah, no, I, I definitely think that there has been some overlooking of teams. You know, even Portland's been able to beat them twice this year. Charlotte's been able to beat them twice. 
They lost to Washington on the road. And I mean, there's a lot of different factors that go into it. Like we know that Washington, excuse me, uh, Charlotte with PJ, uh, not PJ Washington. I'm, I'm getting their roster confused already. Uh, Grant Williams, excuse me, Miles mm-hmm. Bridges, just the wings that they have. And I think that's been something that's problematic for the Pacers is just going yeah. up against teams that can do that. And we saw, uh, we saw Portland do this a little bit. You know, they could play Jeremy Grant at the five, and he could really attack them as well. I, I thought it was interesting that Carlisle did not adjust against Charlotte by taking Turner out and maybe going a little bit small ball five with Siakam at the five, Toppin at the four, just because that's what they did against the Suns when they had Kevin Durant at the five. And so mm-hmm. nothing against Miles, but I feel like it's just an unfair advantage for him to try to defend in space against a Miles Bridges, who is much, much quicker than him. Yeah. Even, even Grant Williams to that point is probably quicker off his feet. So, I, I think there were some matchup things, and Charlotte's now won three in a row since making the trade. So maybe they just got a little bit of buzz in them, no pun intended. But I, I do <laughs> feel like they have played down to their competition, and they've talked about it. But I think Tyrese Halliburton said it best after that game. You know, we got to grow up. We're we're a young team, but we have to grow up, and we can't overlook these teams. Like against Toronto, I, I give them credit because Toronto pretty much healthy for this game. Yeah. Indiana had a lot of injuries last game before All Star break. I don't want to hear anything about, oh, they're tired. They're ready for the All-Star break. All 29 other teams are tired, too, and they're all <laughs> looking forward to it, too. So let's not just dismiss that as well, James, because that to me is just an, a cop-out of an answer. You, if you're a professional team trying to make that step from being a lottery team to a playoff team, you can't allow yourself to have mental lapses and lose games like they did to Charlotte, like they've done throughout the season, because that's what's going to separate you from being sixth seed or seventh or eighth. Absolutely. And I think to me, this is a playoff team. This is what mm-hmm. you're shooting for. When I was talking to Halliburton after the Buddy Heel trade and, you know, asking him what his goals were and what he's like, I just want to win. I want to get healthy. I want to win. And so, as much as we harp on Buddy Heel, oh, he's never been to the playoffs. Tyrese hasn't either. Now, he's had less of a time in the NBA, but you think that doesn't bother him? <laughs> you know, like he, he's had the individual success to this point. Um, he's on track to be perhaps an all NBA talent this year. Um, you know, he's proven he's arguably one of the best, if not the best, when he's fully healthy, point guards in the NBA this season. I'm not now, I know people are listening like, all right, what? I'm not saying he's better than Steph Curry. I'm just saying and I and I I, I will I will stand by this. I will fight over this. He was legitimately in the conversation as best point guard in the world in the league at one point this season before the injuries and stuff like that. Mm. That's fair to say, but that doesn't mean as much to him as being able to get in the playoffs. He got a taste of it. They got a taste of it as a team in the in season tournament, but that's what you're chasing. And I think that, you know, obviously whatever way you get into it is fine, but if you can avoid the play in, if you can handle your business, I think that shows signs of, like you said, Alec, like you're growing up. Like you, you don't want to wait till like you know March to figure that out, right? You know, you you can grow up right now if you want to. And so, mm. um, he's leading that charge. Like obviously, health has a lot to do with it. Um, I know we we're talking off the podcast about how much he has going on with his schedule this week with All Star Weekend, but you just hope that he finds some time to rest, rehab, recover, and um, get ready for what should be a very important and pivotal, you know, quote unquote, second half of the season. Because um, I think there is. A lot of, you know. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline movement to take place and you don't want to be moving too much you know with where you are at right now you're in the sixth seed you're in a good spot and i think um you know you want to avoid it's even just thinking off the top of my head like if you can avoid the playing games that's a little bit more rest a little bit more health and all the factors that might help you you know make some noise and and really you know try to get out of the first round because i i think in my mind i'm like if the pacers miss the playoffs that would be like a devastating like you know, season or whatever. So in my mind, they're in it. And now it's like, okay, what can you do once you're there? So I'm excited about it. Yeah, I mean, you look at some of the quality wins they've had this year, it does make you realize, okay, they can't compete with the best of the best in the league, but they're just not consistent enough. And that's where a seven-game series will be interesting to see how Mm -hmm. they match up against some of these upper echelon teams in the Eastern Conference. I, I think that Rick Carlisle, with his experience and his ability to make the right adjustments, is going to be huge. And and getting past Gossiakum, this team definitely took a step back in terms of how, how they're going to be offensively, but I think they got better defensively by getting past Gossiakum and then going out there and allowing Andrew Nimmar to play more at the two because I feel like, while Buddy Hield is a very quality three-point shooter, Nimhar does provide much better on-ball defense as well as secondary playmaking that Buddy Hield did not provide at the same level. So it's definitely a different dynamic, and you can see why this team's offense has dipped about 10 points per game since yeah. Pascal Siakam was traded here. So they're trying to find that right balance because we know Rick Carlisle said it a couple of months, probably about a month or two ago, you know, she's a really good looking girl, but can she play any defense? Right. <laughs> so it's like, 
Yeah, you know yeah, what? Yeah. That is a great quote to have on Valentine's Day, my yes, friend. It For is. those listening, if you're evaluating your girl right now, can she play help side defense? <laughs> can she, you know, ice the screener? Can she play drop coverage and does she communicate? You know, no, but that, that I think you you hit it right on the head right there, man. They got to be able to hang their hat on something other than where this running gun team that can get up and down because I will tell anybody willing to listen when they get in the playoffs. And I'll say when, cause I, I think that it will, again, it will just be kind of shocking if they just fell all the way out. When they get to the playoffs, things will slow down and you have to be able to find other ways to kind of reinvent yourself. Like, you know, you don't want to change too much of your identity, but it can't just be, Oh, we'll just outscore them. Or we'll just, you know, be them in transition because the game will slow down. I think Halliburton's game will translate to the half court where he can, you know, break down defenses and, and, and get to, get you in good spots. However, you want to do kind of some of your work early as well throughout the regular season so that you're not, you know, um, having to play perfect, so to speak, in the postseason. You can have some, um, you know, some leeway, or, so to speak, when you get to the postseason. And then kind of know who you are and it kind of been battle-tested because, um, like I said, the NCAA tournament was good experience. Even this game tonight was good experience. You just want to build on that and gain some level of consistency. That way you're not, you know, going to the playoffs saying, well, I hope we play this version of basketball where it's like, no, we could just play our version of basketball because what we've been playing mm -hmm. has been consistently, you know, good enough to get it done. I agree. And I think, you know, one thing that we need to see develop too more towards the end of the season is just that chemistry between Tyrese Halliburton and Pascal Siakam developing. Yeah. It's still not there all the way yet. And I think they're still trying to figure each other out and, even tonight, you know, you, you're sitting out there. Siakam's not a great three-point shooter. Andrew Nimhart's not a great three-point shooter. However, he was two of three tonight. And then Isaiah Jackson is not a three-point threat at all. It does kind of clog the paint a little bit more in terms of what they can do offensively. And there was times when I would see in the offense, guys were trying to cut and they were kind of in each other's way because their they're similar players are going to the same spots because they're not shooters. So that's where you do need Miles out there, Aaron Eastmith out there, guys that have shot the ball pretty well from three this year. And it's just... It's just a learning curve, so I'm not I'm not too worried about that. But I thought Halliburton tonight for this game, 21 points, 12 assists, four rebounds, really didn't look like himself completely still yet. I think he's about 85% there, James, maybe 90, mm -hmm. getting closer and closer as we see it. But it's just really good to see him kind of getting himself back because this team only goes as far as he can take them, even with Pascal Siakam there. Pascal Siakam's a great running mate next to him, but this is Tyrus Halliburton's team, and, and he's really going to have to be who we saw him be in that in-season tournament game against Boston in the field house, just hitting those big dagger threes and setting guys up. I mean, that that's how this team is going to be efficient. But I, I'll just tell you this. It's a totally different team because go back and look at when they played the Bucs. Their, their five-man lineup to close that game was Neesmith, Buddy Heel, Bruce Brown, <laughs> Turner, and Halliburton. And that's a lot of shooting, and that's a lot of space, and that's a way you can really spread out a Bucks defense like that. When you have non-shooters out there like Nimhard and Siakam, it does make it a little bit harder to get an advantage with points in the paint because you're just not able to spread the floor as much. So I think that Carlisle is going to have to figure some things out a little bit differently here, but maybe it's just, hey, can Nimhard and Siakam become more respectable three-point shooters to open up this offense? And, hey, I, I would love to see it because I feel like if they can, that's just going to make this team even more dangerous. Absolutely. I think... I talked to Kayla on her podcast maybe last week, and she was saying, telling me, you know, Nimhard only has maybe like less than 10 threes this year that are like, you know, unassisted or whatever. And yeah. so um, his shots are going to come off creation, and can he consistently knock them down is a, a whole other point as well. I think Siakam, one of the things that I actually enjoy about his game is that 
you know, that corner three is very valuable. And I mm-hmm. think that he's hit it at a very high rate. And so maybe they can implement that more into their offense where, you know, obviously he's never been like a volume three-point guy. But if he can get one or two up more per game from the corners, you know, maybe, and he, cause he can shoot it well. I, I think Siakam, to his credit, at least when he's been with the Pacers, he's shot it pretty well from three. Where And then he also hasn't been um, like pressing to just kind of change his entire game. He's taking it when they're there. And I think, again, expanding maybe to the corner options could help. And then mm-hmm. overall, as far as the chemistry with him and Tyrese, I think with Tyrese, and I'll never forget when Kevin Pritchard was comparing him to Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck before he even played his first game for the Pacers. And I was like, this dude is delusional. <laughs> I was wrong. <laughs> so, you know, at freezing cold takes, I was very wrong. Um, he's shown the ability that he can be the number one. And there was at some point this season where I was like, man, man, is he good enough to be like really top 10 in the league? Because those guys obviously change the trajectory of your, your, your team, your season, your franchise. Um, and so I think that he's a true, like number one type of talent. I think Siakam obviously has proven he can be a number two on a championship team. He did it when he was, um, you know, perhaps not even as good as he is now. And then you look at the rest of their roster, you got to show to me, the building blocks for someone else to be enticed to perhaps join you. Um, you know, I I think right now this Pacers team is fun. They're competitive. They're a playoff team. They're going to be a team that's, that you probably don't want to see because it's going to be a lot of up and down and uh, running, and, and, and there are going to be games that might get out of your get out of hand. However, I think you're just this long-term goal, you know, hearing Chad Buchanan talk about the team, you're kind of auditioning and showing the rest of the league and these players, okay, here's what, how we do it in Indiana and why we can build here and win, win big. And so um, that's the end goal. But I do think that the building blocks of, you know, Pascal Siakam, Tyrese Halliburton are good ones to have because they are, um, you know, pretty easy to fit around even a third guy, so to speak. So um, I'm excited. I do want to see maybe some more Jairus as the season Mm -hmm. goes on, just to kind of see what you got there. Um, But obviously, like you said, some changes had to be made offensively. The spacing is different. The lineups are different. And maybe even – you know, they won't be practicing obviously during the all-star break, but it just gives the like the coaching staff and the team more time to kind of go over like who we are. Because mm. I even with Siakam, I, I asked him about it. He's like, man, I, I, I haven't been to a restaurant out here. I haven't, you know, I haven't got a place yet. I've been living out of a suitcase. I've just been going and going. And now you get to slow down and kind of reevaluate where you are. Like instead of treading water, maybe you can start swimming up, you know, swimming upstream. Yeah, I mean, 15 games in like 29 days the days since he's been traded. It's been like a game every other night. So it's been a very busy schedule for Pascal Siakam. And I'm just hearing you talk about like, you know, this team and how they're built. And it really just feels like, you know, Benedict Mathern can just step up and take that next step. Ideally, yes. That That's really what the Pacers need. And I'm kind of excited to see what he looks like in a playoff series because I felt like he played pretty good in the Boston game. I thought that he was – okay against the Bucks, had some up and down moments on that game in, in Las Vegas, but against the Lakers, he was their best player in that game. Yeah. So yeah. I feel like he kind of gets up for those games and I'm, I'm feeling like he could be the X factor for the Pacers if he can really step up and just take on that role. But I do feel like, and I've mentioned this the last couple of podcasts, so I'm, I'm probably overkill here, but, but I just feel like how they're kind of constructed now, they're a little bit more predictable in terms of how you guard them. And it's just so much attention is on Matherin with that second unit because you saw tonight without McConnell, like 
you know, McConnell's the only guy out there that can be an on-ball creator. Obi Toppin did it a few different times, but it's like he's more of a catch-and-shoot kind of guy. McDermott's mm-hmm. catch-and-shoot. Uh, Shepard's more of a catch-and-shoot. And you, you mentioned it, Jarris Walker. Like, it would have been a great opportunity for him if he wasn't on G League assignment or returning from G League assignment to be with the team in Toronto tonight because even Oscar Shibwe, you know, two-way guy, got three minutes tonight. So you could have maybe seen – at some point, Jairus Walker getting some minutes at the small ball five and things like that. It would have just been really nice to kind of see. But, uh, you know, Obi Toppin, though, I feel like he's kind of figured out his role a little bit there. He's still going to be inconsistent. And I know Rick Carlisle pulled him. I forget. I think it might have been against Charlotte. They pulled him early because he didn't get rebounds. He was just kind of watching the ball go right by him. So 15 points from him, five rebounds tonight. And then Doug McDermott finally got a little bit going there, 13 points, but just five of 12 shooting three of nine from three. Still has not shot the ball particularly well um in terms of percentage wise but i don't know i just feel like at this point are you taking a step <laughs> backward by playing mcdermott over shepherd at that wing spot next to mather and that's kind of where i've been like there's not really a lot of buyout guys there's not a lot of free agents out there that make more sense than doug but maybe the guy is right there on your bench and ben shepherd i don't know i don't know how you feel about that maybe too small of a sample size for doug but i don't know i just i value developing more than an older guy that's not doing yeah well yeah, he's 32. Um, obviously not getting any younger. He's on an expiring contract. Will he even be here next year is, is a valid question. Um, I do think it's a small sample size maybe for both because we saw, you know, Ben have a really good night tonight, but it's like you got to see more of that to consistently give him minutes. And whereas Doug is kind of at the inverse of that where he hasn't shot it well in these few games, but he shot it well for 10 years. You know, he's, he's yeah. you know. So um, I think that there's value in that. However, the ideal situation is that you want Ben Shepard to be in that role and to kind of um, have that opportunity. But I think that they that's why they made the move for Doug Dermot. It was kind of like an insurance policy, so to speak, where you know his one skill that has kept him in the NBA is that he can shoot. And so I'm not even worried about the numbers. Obviously, you want them to be better if you're the Pacers, if you're Pacers fans. However, um, I, I'm not panicking when it comes to him just because – he shot it so well. Mm-hmm. And unlike Buddy, he probably has a more like defined role. And if anything, Doug's been in a position where he's had different roles throughout his career that he's had to adapt to. And he hasn't had all of the fanfare, so to speak. You know, um, when it was in San Antonio, when he was playing in San Antonio earlier this year. I think that was the lowest minutes of his career since his rookie year. So mm-hmm. he's not going to be a guy that's going to come in and be like, well, I should be starting. I should be doing this. And he kind of gets it. He kind of understands his role and what it means to the team. And now, um, like I said, it's like another good problem, you know, in, in a way where, you know, if Shepard comes along, good. If Doug starts shooting like he's supposed to, good. Then you can then you can really pick and choose. Okay, do we want the veteran experience or do we do we lean more towards Alex's approach where we, you know, value our development of our players. So um, we'll see. But from a personal standpoint, Shep's just a nice guy. So it's it's hard <laughs> not to, if you're a Pacers fan, I imagine, not to root for a guy who's nice and plays hard. Yeah, I think his breakout moment was clearly against the Nuggets um, when he kind of helped spearhead that fourth quarter comeback when the Pacers That game was cracking. Short. Yeah, that yeah, game was cracking. He, he he had some really big moments, the big steal where he got, should have got an and one, didn't get the foul call. But yeah, I mean, you're right about Doug though. He does know his role pretty well, and I think if you're the Pacers, you're thinking about it from this perspective, like okay, we can have Matherin and McConnell, two non shooters really. Even though Matherin's gotten better from three this year, mm-hmm. 
with with Jalen Smith, who shot the ball incredibly well from three this year, surprisingly, McDermott, who's a really good three-point shooter, and then Toppin, who was also a good three-point shooter, maybe that's enough floor spacing to allow room for operation there for Matthew right. to kind of get into the paint. So I do understand all that. I just I wonder about Doug and, and and you mentioned him playing with the Spurs the last couple of years. They've been a bottom feeder in the NBA. And yeah, you know, I always kind of go back now. It's not the same deal in, in terms of like what they meant to the team, but when Evan Turner was traded here from Philadelphia for Danny Granger in that deal, he was like, man, I was looking forward to my offseason. I wasn't even <laughs> thinking about making it to a deep playoff run. And so then your mindset's already kind of turned off as you've oh, lost so point. many games. And now that could be kind of the same situation for Doug. He is probably a little bit older than Evan Turner was when that trade happened. So maybe he can flip that switch a little bit differently. And the role clearly is not the same. But whenever you trade for guys that are in losing situations to help you win <laughs> the last 30 games of the season. That's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, That's a very it's, good point. It's just and They weren't just losing. They were like... Yeah, they were down, down bad, mm-hmm. like not even a chance of you know having a winning season. So. Yeah, good so, point. Good point. That's the only point I'll bring up. But I mean, I'm not worried about Doug. I think it's still different situations, and I'm not even comparing Buddy Hill to what Danny Granger meant to that team. But uh, I, I think the Pacers are in a good spot. It was a very good win. They needed this win going into the All Star break. They've kind of stumbled their way there, but hey, you know, 31 wins, six games above 500, far cry from where they were last year, and it really feels like they have taken that step, and it's a lot of internal growth and making the right moves at the right time. And so James, I'm excited to see what they can do, but ultimately I'm also just really excited for this upcoming weekend where Indiana is going to be the center of the NBA world. Yeah, man. I got some really cool stories coming that are like Indiana, uh, just broad, you know, broad Indiana topics where it comes to obviously Pacers specific topics, Tyrese Halliburton kind of stalking him this weekend, hopefully to get you some, <laughs> uh, some inside information and just how he's kind of handling the spotlight. But um, being someone who covered high school basketball in the state, um, who basically got my start doing that. So now covering, you know, NBA all-star weekend in the same state, you know, where basketball is like a religion here, um, it's, it, it should be very fun. And like you said early in the pod, I would encourage everyone to just at least make it downtown. Um, even if it's just like, take some pictures, um, with the, with the big posters and signs, they have a lot of different things going on. I've seen Halliburton, like every other building I've seen Benedict Matherin up there, you know, Steph Curry, LeBron, all these people that, you know, you might not be able to, I guess, see in, in, in one place, so to speak. So, um, yeah, get out there, man, and enjoy it because, you know, All-Star Weekend in your hometown or in your home city, uh, it doesn't happen, you know, very often. And so I think Indiana's done it right with the airport, you know, court kind of setting the tone. And then from there, uh, you know, it should be a great weekend. And I will fight to the death over this as well, Alex. There is no better city mm-hmm. for big events logistically than, Indiana, than Indianapolis because Indianapolis makes sense. You get downtown – you are good. You can get somebody to drop you off and you can walk from Lucas Oil to Gamebridge Fieldhouse to the convention center to whatever you got to get to within like 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And so get down there, enjoy yourselves. And I'll be down there if you see me, you see Alex, say what's up because it, uh, it's going to be fun, man. This is it's celebration of basketball. And I feel like what state, it, you know, deserves it more than the one where, you know, they've, they've sold out. You know, I remember being in packed high school gyms on a Friday night and thinking, this is the best of the best. And now we get kind of like that souped up version of that with superstars, obviously like LeBron Curry and, and this time around Halliburton being the same conversation. 
And we're supposed to have decent weather too. So that's a good thing here. And I know it's February. It's not snowing. Thankfully, I know it's been snowing in New York. They've been getting those kind of snowstorms. So <laughs> Indiana has thankfully had, I think the fewest or the, like one of the top 10 fewest amount. He of just snow. jinxed us. Y'all we finna get 10 inches <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> Yeah, we're going to have a winter blizzard on Saturday. That'd be absolutely epic, right? So, uh, no, but I think Indiana is going to do a great job. James does a great job covering the Pacers and the Colts for the Athletic. Make sure you guys give them a follow there. And then social media, at Romeoville Kid, right? Is it still that? Yep. Always repping where I'm from. But, again, very, very happy to have basically spent my entire career in Indiana, man. Like, Mm -hmm. this uh, this has been a fun state. Absolutely. And I I will just ask you this to kind of close things down because I've got my takes on what kind of food I like, but I'm not – a downtown person per se all the time. Is there like a top three places you would recommend for people to go downtown and get to? Oh man. Um, Kilroy's has never let me down. Mm-hmm. Um, very simple, you know, menu venue, a lot of TVs. If you're into sports, like I am, obviously I think that, um, you know, district tap is another one that I like to go to as well. Um, not downtown, but I'll say the, the, the food hall, the garage hall. I think that mm-hmm. that's like a unique place to kind of go if you want to. If you're not from here, you can go there and get a variety of different food. But, um, again, if you just get downtown, man, you'll be able to find something you like just because mm-hmm. it doesn't take much to, to walk around and, and, and really even just ask around um, to what's, uh, you know, what's, what's cooking or what's good and, what, and things like that. So um, I would encourage everybody to just get out there, have some fun, be safe, obviously, but um, you know, don't miss out on an opportunity that doesn't come around very often. I'm very big on that. Like, you know, I, I, I'm telling my friends now, if you see me at all-star weekend and I actually take a picture, take my picture, please. Cause I want this. I want to be able to remember where I was. Cause you never know, man. You, you, yeah. you think you, this stuff's going to be here forever. You might look up one day and be like, man, like that was 10 years ago. And then you can say you were there to kind of document it. But I think, um, again, you know, the timing of it is kind of like, you know, just very fitting really, you know, this was supposed to be a thing three years ago, COVID happens. You know, they basically get to like restart, do it in a better way. And, and you know, Tyrese is here now. So uh, it, it's pretty cool to see All-Star Weekend be in a city where, you know, it kind of coincides with, you know, your star player taking off as well. I mean, Reggie Mills on the building, you know, he's been on many buildings down here. But now you got Tyrese up there and it just feels like a new era is coming with the Pacers. And, you know, after having some dog days, you, you know, Pacers fans feel like they deserve it. Absolutely, James. Well, I appreciate your insight on what's good downtown, where to where to hang out at, and just it's a great point about the All Star Game being moved because I kind of forgot about how COVID did push it back a couple of years, and wow, perfect timing. Everything worked out, even though that COVID year was a disaster for the Pacers with everything that happened. I think that I covered it. Yes, we are in a much better spot now than we were then. So, uh, once again, I appreciate it, James, and uh, we'll have to get you back on here soon, especially to kind of recap All Star Weekend and get your thoughts on everything that went down so uh thanks again man and uh, best of luck to you thanks for having me man everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.